This show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents The Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Hello, fellow vault dwellers. Welcome back to the Fallout Lorecast. I'm your host, Robots, and I apologize if my voice sounds a little funny this week. I've been fighting a cold, but I didn't want to wait too long before getting the second episode out. Um, we got some really great response to the first one. You guys are amazing. I didn't expect as many people um, as have would have downloaded it already and taken a listen, even without it being on iTunes yet. Um, I'm still waiting for approval from iTunes. Uh, it's, you know, like waiting at the doctor's office. Sometimes you just show up for your appointment and they don't show up very quickly and then you have to wait a long time. That's a terrible analogy, but we're going to go with it because my head's a little bit foggy uh, due to the cold that I'm fighting. But uh, let's move on. This week we are discussing uh, last week's episode. So if you haven't listened yet to the first episode of the Fall Lorecast, we discussed the Great War some of the background of what goes into the Great War and then what happens during those two hours. The Great War spans only two hours when a bunch of nukes are dropped. So if you haven't tuned into that one, go back, listen to that one. If this is your first one, um, we're, I'm going to follow up with some discussion about that and some other things that uh, have kind of come up in conversation. Um, again, to just reinforce some of the ideas around that. I, I I want to support conversation around these topics, and I want you guys to have a place to sound your thoughts on these things. I also want to continue learning. I don't know everything about Fallout and what there is to know. So um, you guys are helping me learn. I'm helping you learn. It's a wonderful, wonderful relationship. So uh, on that topic, we discussed last week, the, the question of the week was, War, war never changes. And what does that mean? And we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, but in thinking about the Great War, the next uh, obvious place that my mind goes, and some of you guys have seen this on Twitter, some of the discussion around this, is who dropped the first nukes? Who was actually behind it? series uh, that Oxhorn does. If you don't know who Oxhorn is, look up his YouTube channel, Oxhorn. Uh, if you search it, it'll come up pretty quick. In fact, if you search who dropped the first bombs or fallout, who dropped the first bombs in Google, Oxhorn's video about that will come up. And he does a much better job than I will. Uh, and I would simply be actually stealing his his stuff and, and re reading it on here. So I'm not going to do that. He deserves the traffic. Go listen to the, to his episode about this. If you're really looking for the nitty gritty with some wonderful visuals and some actually some really cool stuff. Um, but briefly here, I want to discuss what some of those options are for what we know about who may have started the great war, who may have 
launched that initial nuke. Now, the first option is the popular understanding, and we all know how popular understandings go. Usually, if a majority of people think that the thing is common knowledge, that's usually not 100% accurate. There's probably more to the story. So, the general consensus is among the people of the wasteland that the Chinese were the first ones to drop the bomb. And that makes sense. On some level, the Chinese were invading the U.S. already to get resources, things like oil up in Alaska. So they got desperate. They launched the first bomb. Now, there's some evidence that there were uh, stealth submarines off the coast. So maybe they were launched from those stealth submarines. In fact, you can visit one of those in one of the games. Um, And it would make sense. They initiated the war thinking they could get the drop on the U.S., take out our ability to retaliate. But it didn't work out the way they had hoped. And the U.S. retaliated. And in two hours, the world was on fire. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that the U.S. shot first. And I'm not saying that the U.S. shot at China first, because that doesn't seem to be what happened. There are a lot of uh, remnants in some of the recordings and some of the um, uh, diary posts and emails and things that you can find that show that we went on high alert when it lo- when we detected, the, we the US, because I'm a US citizen, but I'm putting myself in their place, I guess, we detected incoming nukes to the United States. And So that means that we got hit first, whether we retaliated or not. Now, were those nukes launched by the United States? Would it be too uh, cynical to think that in this universe that somebody in the United States launched a nuke at ourselves in order to trigger war? That is a possibility. Um, If we continue along this route, this thought process, we end up with questions about, well, okay, who who in the United States would be willing to do something like that? Generally, the non-corrupt officials, the true patriots of this country, wouldn't want to nuke our own people just to trigger war. That seems like a very high cost to initiate something. So who who might be behind it? One possibility is the enclave. Now, The Enclave, as we know in the Fallout series, is comprised of political officials and um, highly educated scientists and kind of the upper echelon of the, the social order, CEOs, those kinds of people, the kinds of people who were pulling the strings behind the scenes because they had influence, they had money, they had power. That's the Enclave. And the Enclave was very prepared to deal with the results of nuclear fallout. In a Reddit post from actually three years ago, a user named Murder Mountain does a better job explaining the Enclave situation than I will. Now, he says that they came up with a plan. Bunker down until the fallout subsides and they are left in control of the planet. However, in the event the planet cannot be salvaged, they have a plan B. Plan B was getting on a ship and colonizing a new planet. 
The vaults were meant to simulate a spaceship and to stress test spaceships and any potential flaws they might face. They were meant to simulate a spaceship being a contained system for however long it takes to get to another planet. Cloning, replicators, biomed gel cryonics, social issues were all tested to be used mid-flight in the vaults and sent to the Enclave's oil rig for study. There at the main base, they realized the failure rates at the vaults meant there was zero chance of colonizing another planet unless it was absolutely perfect and had no issues at all. And not only that, but the San Francisco space shuttle was taken for a joyride by the pre-war cult, the Hubologists, where it promptly exploded or sat helplessly in orbit, depending on if you completed their quest. The planet was not able to be salvaged, as FEV, the forced evolutionary virus, worked its way into the ecosystem. West Tech, the inventors of the FEV, got hit directly, sending its little remaining FEV into the atmosphere and raining down on the world through air currents. So the, the FEV gets loose everywhere. All the mutations you see in Fallout are from FEV, backed up by the main plot of Fallout 1, where both the master and the overseer agree. So that's an interesting point. With all the mutants, the Enclave couldn't rebuild and they couldn't assimilate the Wastelanders because they were all infected with FEV as well. With their spaceship plans foiled and their world effed beyond repair, they got really desperate. This infection had to be dealt with. Where they invented an airborne countervirus that the Chosen Ones stopped in Fallout 2 by blowing up the oil rig. That's how Vault-Tec fits into the Enclave conspiracy. They were plan B. Why would Vault-Tec be involved if it wasn't for some profit on their own? And we know Vault-Tec is not the most morally upstanding company in, in the world. We know that they specifically turned most of their vaults into testing labs in order to test things out on the, on the, the people who were hiding in those vaults. Now, it doesn't seem that they were testing on the Enclave vaults. And if you look in Fallout 76, uh, the White Springs vaults, and spoilers if you haven't seen it already, is a Vault-Tec constructed vault. If you look at the outside of the vaults, there, uh, I believe, and again, I might have to double check this, but I believe some of the etchings on the outside of the vault is that it was created by Vault-Tec. And you go inside and there is Enclave inside that vault. So maybe there's a connection between the two. It could have been as simple as they were hired contractors to build a thing that they were good at building. That happens a lot in uh, current political and corporate situations. But maybe there was more than that. Maybe the two groups were together. Maybe some of the individuals running Vault Tech were some of the same corporate CEOs and people in power behind what was going on with the Enclave and the government. Maybe they were setting up a situation where they would be able to actually follow through with their tests and not have wasted all of that money that they built, that they, they threw into building out the vaults. Now, one of the things that you should plug into, uh, that you should check out on Oxhorn's video, it, right in the middle of his video where he discusses these things, he actually pulls out the script. Well, it's actually a film treatment for the Fallout movie. And the Fallout movie was something that was being pitched uh, just after the first Fallout game came out in the late 90s. And they were they were considering, hey, what if we turn this into a movie? Now, a treatment is the first 
the first writing, it's kind of an outline of how a movie will go. It's not really the full script, but it gives you a sense of the plot and the characters and what's going to happen. And in that film treatment, at the end of the film, the protagonist, who happens to be named Max, callback to the Road Warrior and Dog Meat and some of the other things I've been sharing. But uh, Max finds out that the people behind the nukes are from vault Tech. Now, that's not canon. It's not in the games anywhere. But that leads us to understand that at least it was a consideration that the the writers of the original game had considered that that might be a possibility. So it's on the radar. I don't know of any other like specific evidence other than some of these connections for vault Tech, but it is a possibility. Now, the the last and most kind of far-fetched idea is that aliens were involved. Aliens. Every time I say aliens, I feel like the guy from the Discovery Channel with the crazy hair. And I put my hands in front of me and go, aliens. So what if aliens were involved? Now, we know that aliens have been meddling in human stuff for a long time. Uh, if you play the DLC for Fallout 3, Mothership Zeta, uh, there are people on that ship from hundreds and hundreds of years ago who have somehow been preserved and the aliens are doing tests on them. So meddling with humans, tests on humans, vault tech, that sounds familiar. Sounds like there might be some sort of connection there. But there is a specific storyline where we find out in some of the text in the game that the aliens are able to use mind control and have infiltrated the U.S. military. So if they infiltrate the U.S. military and they mind control the right person, maybe they can have that person trigger the bombs. Now, I, I recommend go check out Oxworm's video. He's going to explain this stuff way better than I, I can. Uh, let me know what you think, because these are the main theories going for who dropped the first nuke. Now, you could take it a step further and you could say, what if it's all connected? What if we draw a storyline here that has aliens messing with the, (laughs) it sounds like I'm on some sort of uh, late night coast to coast show all of a sudden, but let's just go with me here because this is fun stuff. What if we have aliens messing with the history of the United States, not just the history of the United States, but the history of the world, the politics of what's, what are going on, the, uh, adaption of certain technologies and the the finding of technologies um, and, and the uncovering of of some of that stuff. What if laser rifles and plasma guns and advanced fusion and these kinds of things came from aliens uh, either leaving stuff on the planet and we found them and figured out how to use them? Or there's actual direct contact between the aliens and the scientists and politicians in the modern world before the Great War. And that's what leads to this technology and the destabilizing of governments and that kind of thing. So, okay, so the aliens are behind it. The people they're in contact with would be people in power. That may be the enclave. Some of the enclave have direct connections or or are actual CEOs and you know company leaders for somebody like Vault Tech. And all of those things working together are behind the nukes. 
it, it, we're just drawing connections, just drawing a string between I've got, imagine a board, you've got the board in front of you with like the crime scene and we've got all these different elements. Now let's just connect them all with a string to the same thing. That could very well be the case. Now, if I was a writer for fallout games, which by the way, Bethesda, if you are listening, that would be an awesome job. I could put together a, you know, a resume and a script or whatever. Just let me know. Just contact me. Falloutlorecast at gmail.com. Let me know. Um, but if I was a writer in a Fallout game or behind the series, if I was continuing to write this stuff and had plans for the future of this is where this is going to go, I think I would, I would use those connections. I would tease connections between each of those parts and continue to tease connections between each of those parts in order for it to be both complex and simple. If everything's working together to cause the same end, then that's actually a more simple explanation in some ways. If you frame it that way, then, oh, all of these things just happen to be happening at the same time, but only have tenuous relations. So just a thought. I'm not saying I've decided exactly what I think about about this right now, but it's just a thought. I like to leave things kind of floating in the air a little bit. So one of the other questions I had uh, now thinking about the bombs going everywhere and <laughs> nuclear holocaust is around radiation. And what would actually happen in our world if if a ton of bombs went off across the United States or anywhere in particular? Uh, so I did a little bit of research about this. I thought about it. I was like, well, our only real example about actual bombs going off in the world are Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And as far as I'm aware, there's not mutants running around in those places. And in fact, they are inhabitable today. There are people living in those areas. Uh, the cities have been rebuilt. So I did a little bit of research. It turns out that after about 20 years, the background radiation level at those locations was back to normal. Uh if you're not aware of this, there is a, a regular amount of background radiation everywhere based on sunlight or some of the elements in the earth. Uh, even things like concrete emit a certain amount of radio radiation. Now, until the human body comes across a certain level of radiation, then we're, we're generally pretty safe. The percent, the percentage chance of getting, you know, some sort of DNA fracture that causes cancer is very minimal. So at those locations where bombs went off in the 1940s, it is now livable. We don't have mutants running around. Okay, that makes sense. Background radiation went back down. So what if we had a situation where we had lots of bombs go off all over the place? What would happen then? Well, uh, there's a few things that happen. One, the, the bombs that are in the fallout world were designed to be smaller burst nukes. Um, they've kind of, instead of building larger and larger and larger nukes, the way we did in our world, they went to smaller and smaller nukes and just more of them. So now you have kind of more of a general spread of nuclear, uh, explosions across say a country. One of the other things that happens is when a nuke ignites, it, it explodes before it hits the ground. It's called an airburst. And when the, when the bomb hits, you have a certain, uh, zone 
that is completely decimated from the radiation and the the heat of the explosion. And that's a very small epicenter. Then you have a larger zone outside of that that is decimated by force by the pressure of the air moving and, uh, and and the heat moving out and the radiation moving out. Now, as you get further from the core center of an explosion, the amount of radiation actually drops off very steeply. You can be at the edge of the explosion, still be killed by the force of the bomb while only getting a little minimal amount of radiation exposure. But what this also does is it means that an airburst bomb that blows up in the atmosphere will linger and the winds will blow the radiation in a direction. So now you have the spreading of radiation miles potentially from the source of the bomb. So it's not just that small little epicenter that gets irradiated. It is areas that that are miles away, depending on which way the weather patterns were going. So if you imagine an area, say the East coast of the United States getting hit with many, many, many bombs along the coast, and then the winds picking up the radiation and spreading it across the coast even more, then you have a very wide swath of places that are irradiated. So that does make some sense for why there's more radiation around in the world. Now, what I don't quite understand is why, say, 100, 200 years later, the radiation levels are still pretty terrible. Uh, you have places that you cannot walk and, and you will get uh, many, ra- many rads per second, which would be uh, ridiculous in, <laughs> in human terms. According to bioethicsarchive.georgetown.edu, they have this wonderful article about uh, what happens uh, when ha- when humans are exposed to radiation. How does radiation affect humans? And in that article, they detail in here under one section, what immediate effects can ionizing radiation have on living cells? They say, all of these collisions and ionization, so ionized radiation basically means that the radiation is stripping away electrons. And let's go back to some basic, uh, you know, like 10th grade chemistry class or whenever you took it. Um, the cells in our body are built off of all sorts of different kinds of chemicals and proteins. Proteins are the building blocks of DNA. The proteins are made up of chemical compounds that contain elements Elements are singular atoms, and atoms are composed of protons and neutrons and electrons. Now, when ionizing radiation hits a, an atom, it tears away the electrons from that atom, which all of a sudden means that we're changing the structure of the atom, and the atom might become more likely to connect to another atom or for the chemical structure to change. Now, what that, what that means is that if the individual atoms are changing in a structure, then the structure as a whole could fall apart. So according to this article, uh, it takes much longer for the biological effects to become apparent. If the damage is sufficient to kill the cell, the effect may become noticeable in hours or days. Cell death can be of two types. First, the cell may no longer perform its function due to internal ionization. So the chemicals fall apart. The the proteins fall apart. They can no longer function the way that they should for the cell to work. This requires a dose to the cell of about 100 gray. So that's 10,000 rads. 
Now imagine if you walk into something in Fallout and you're taking 50 rads per second, how long does it take to hit 10,000? Not very long. For a definition of gray and rad, see the section below, blah, 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 blah. Second, reproductive death or mitotic inhibition. Now, some of you guys are scientists. You might have a better understanding than I do of what mitotic inhibition actually means. But according to this, it says it may occur when a cell no longer reproduces, but still performs other functions. So therefore, the cells cannot reproduce, but they can still work for a while. This requires a dose of two gray or 200 rad, which will cause reproductive death in half the cells irradiated. So I dug into this a little bit further. It looks like cells can fall apart. It looks like even at a small dose, they can no longer replicate uh, or reproduce, which could cause a lot of problems if you your skin doesn't continue to grow <laughs> or something like that. So I dug into this a little bit further and I found an article on emergency.cdc.gov, which talks about the acute radiation syndrome or ARS, sometimes known as radiation toxicity or radiation sickness, is an acute illness caused by irradiation of the entire body or most of the body, by a high dose of penetrating radiation for a very short period of time, usually a matter of minutes. Basically, this syndrome is caused by stem cells being penetrated by radiation and destroyed. Now, there's a list here of amount of doses and what the symptoms might be. So number one, the the radiation dose must be large, greater than 0.7 gray or 70 rads. 70 rads. This causes mild symptoms, which may be observed with doses as low as 30 rads. The dose must be external. Uh, Radioactive material deposited inside the body have produced some ARS effects only in extremely rare cases. So external sources of radiation. The radiation must be penetrating. High energy x-rays, gamma rays, and neutrons are penetrating radiations. It must cover the entire body or the majority of the body, and the dose must have been delivered for a short period of time. So all of those things, all of those things seem like they could happen during, say, a nuclear explosion and the fallout that comes from it. So what can this cause? Well, there's a whole bunch of things that this can cause, uh, including bone marrow death, uh, gastrointestinal death and central nervous system death. All of these things have symptoms like vomiting, nausea, diarrhea, drowsiness, all sorts of terrible, terrible stuff. Now, what happens if you get just, you know, a little bit of radiation in a specific spot? Well, so according to Wikipedia, the short-term effects from six to eight weeks of radiation exposure include uh, all sorts of different sections. They go over what happens to your skin, your lungs, and then even your reproductive organs. So if your skin is uh, exposed to two to three gray, one gray is equivalent to 100 rads, then you can have temporary hair loss. Seven gray, so 700 rads, permanent epilation occurs. That simply means the permanent loss of hair. At 10 gray, itching and flaking occurs. And at 10 to 20 gray, weeping, blistering, and ulceration will occur. That sounds like scorched. (laughs) That sounds like ghouls. Now, this article goes on to talk about what happens to your lungs, what happens to your ovaries, what happens to your testicles, depending on which ones you have. Uh, Basically, 
bad news. <laughs> that stuff falls apart. Things get infected and inflammated. And in, is, I don't even know if inflammated is a word. Inflammation happens. Now, what are the long-term effects? Things like cataracts, cancer, and then there's all sorts of potential for disease, uh, the breaking down of your immune system, and also just the terrible situation that arises in poor living conditions after a nuclear fallout would be, you know, terrible. You'd have all sorts of untreated sewage and poor living conditions and lack of vaccines. And so then you end up getting all sorts of things like dysentery or cholera or tuberculosis, you know, all sorts of fun things. So I guess what I'm getting at is even with a minimal amount of radiation exposure, the chances of surviving for any period of time is actually very, very low. In most cases, during effects of extreme exposure, either humans die or we end up with long-term effects like cancer and eventually we die also. Mutations like we see in the Fallout games are not particularly common. Now, yeah, this is a fantasy world and all that's kind of fun, but it makes sense if we go back to Murder Mountain's post on Reddit, he mentions that the FEV, the forced evolutionary virus, was released everywhere, that it got into the atmosphere as well. So I think that is a good connection to why did the high levels of radiation cause mutations on a level that we wouldn't expect to see in the real world. Now, if you have some thoughts about this stuff, I know I covered a lot today, uh, but feel free to write in to falloutlorecast at gmail.com or send me a note on Twitter at falloutlorecast and uh, let me know what your thoughts are. Maybe some of you guys are actually experts in, in one of these fields and have some more insight into this. I'd love to share more in the next episode. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Are you into the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for cyberpunk 2077? Are you looking to brush up on the lore, stay up on all the latest news and talk about the game when it comes out? Check out the cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from robots radio with me, your host robots. We'll go over all the details you need to know about the world characters and story of cyberpunk available on iTunes, Spotify, Google play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. So last week I asked the question, what does war, war never changes, mean to you? And I got a few responses. You guys actually considered this, and that's great, especially for having a first episode, uh, you know, get right, getting right off the ground. You guys have been super complimentary. I cannot thank you enough for the kind words and the positive positivity around this podcast. Um, I think you guys are all great. Uh, please keep an eye out for when this comes out on iTunes and make a point to go on there and rate it for me. That will help uh, increase the exposure of the podcast and continue to grow the audience and continue to grow these conversations. And I would love that. So diving in, uh, I did get a few responses. Um, one from, uh, there's two that I want to highlight. One from Cool Mom on Twitter at Cool Mom 03479468. Uh, I hope you're you're happy with me calling you out, cool mom. But um, you you said, listen to the whole thing, and it was great. Th to answer your question, war war never changes. I think is twofold. It represents our past, and if we don't learn from it, it represents our future. 
And I think that jives along very well with the things that I noted in the podcast uh, last week about human nature and how really war is just a component of human nature. And it's something that we need to learn from in order to change our future. So that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Cool Mom, for sharing that. Now, I also got a PM on Twitter from, and I'm going to mess up your name, so I I super apologize. Uh, in fact, I will just use your Twitter name, which is at uh, Shadamore1, who says, uh, Hi, man, listen to your podcast. Really enjoyed it and very well done. I like the format. Regarding the quote, War Never Changes, is that all wars have been fought over two things, money slash profit slash land or wealth, which takes many forms, and security. This plays to the human psychic, and I think what he he means here is human psychology, that we all know that no war has ever been fought for justice. For how can it be just to kill your fellow man? But if that man is trying to kill you, what are you to do? So you keep to fallout the nuclear strike from China as a response to U.S. military superiority with its power armor units launched a nuclear war for security purposes. The other notable wars in the fallout world pre-2077 were fought for resources, wealth, which were becoming scarce. All the fallout games mirror just that. Whenever you fight, it is either because you have to defend yourself from mutants or something nasty or because you want to want loot, you want wealth. If we consider it to the real world, one could argue that World War II was fought for justice or to combat evil. I would say no, that the war was fought for security purposes, that it was not until the Allies or the Soviets were threatened that the war really started, or else the Allies and Soviets would have launched strikes at Germany when they started to round up minorities or annexing territories. My point is that deep down, we all know that war is evil that it is also used to acquire wealth in one form or another, but necessary to not fall prey for people that want to take your wealth. So that cycle of war being a necessity, which is inherently evil, never changes. So deep down, war never changes. Wonderful post. I thank you for taking the time to to dig into that. And if you happen to have any other thoughts on this or would like to respond to either of these posts, feel free to send me a note on Twitter or at uh, falloutlorecast at gmail.com and let me know. Or, hey, you know what? There's a there's a link to the Discord channel where we've actually had some people jump in that too. And you guys have been awesome and sharing some things either just about the games or just thoughts about the show. Uh, so check that out in the show notes and let me know your thoughts. Cultural database accessed. Quoting New England poet Robert Frost. Freedom lies in being bold. Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? So this week in Fallout 76, what have I been doing? Well, I have been exploring some of the, speaking of nukes, uh, nuked areas. I hit level 50, finally. I've hit the 76 hours in the game achievement. I've been killing some big monsters with some other power armored users in the nuclear zones. Uh, trying to find some new gear and that kind of thing. Um, I also came across, uh, and I know this has been a big problem lately, but uh, people who are duping items. Um, I I heard some stories online about people duping items and actually coming up with an exploit that allowed them to do like one hit kills on people who were not even hostile. Um, And came across one guy who was able to just 
you know, claw me with a death claw. Although there may be some particular details in there that uh, caused it to happen. You know, maybe he didn't want me poking around his, uh, his camp. Who knows? I tried to be friendly and then he decided to claw me. So, uh, I don't know. Also, um, I've, I've been tinkering with the stream, my stream setup, and I think I've got it working. I, I streamed a little bit the other night and it was kind of choppy and stuff. I've looked into the details, edited some stuff in the any file. Welcome to Fallout. Edit the any file and make it actually run right. And, uh, <laughs> and some of the stuff with the OBS player. So I'm going to get on, uh, hopefully sometime this week, especially if I'm feeling better. I, again, I apologize for the kind of raspy, um, clogged up voice this week, but, uh, if I'm feeling good enough in one of the evenings, I'm going to pop in. I stream on, uh, robots, uh, at twitch.com R zero B zero T S and, uh, feel free to come hang out sometime and we can talk lore or, you know, play the game together. One of my thoughts, and I'm thinking about maybe doing this with, uh, an old friend of mine who I know from streaming and who generally pops in on the streams years ago when I, when I did that more often was to create a new character and play a character as if it is like, I don't know, kind of like the optimistic, but ignorant, I don't know, Ned Flanders type, who's, you know, the guy who leaves Vault 76, all excited to go into the world and trusting of everybody, and then slowly gets crushed by the terrible nature of the way things actually are. Um, and kind of role play that a little bit on stream. I thought that would be fun. Uh, but we'll see. Might give it a shot. Oh, also, the other thing that came out this last week was the uh, latest patch. And I have noticed some improvements. Uh, my stability in the game has actually been a lot better. And that was one of the things I noted I was going to hope was mentioned in the patch notes. And they did note a little bit about stability. They didn't say specifically what changed. But I have noted, noticed that, that that is performing better for me. Um, I don't know what you guys think, if there's anything particularly of note on your side, but I still can't wait for the new content. I check the, I check the Atom shop every day and log in, just see if there's any cool new power armor skins or whatever, you know, one of these days I'm going to break down and spend too much money. We'll see. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Let's get the other bit of politeness taken care of, shall we? What the bloody, bloody, bloody hell are you doing here? You people are crazy. All right, fellow vault dwellers, uh, we're coming to an end. Thank you again for tuning in and listening to the show. Uh, I hope it wasn't too terrible with my voice. I'm a little scatterbrained. Uh, things are not working the way they normally do. Um, but hopefully I'll be up to speed next week for our next episode. We're going to dig into some more lore content. Uh, we'll go back to a, an episode about a specific topic and then have a discussion again about that topic. Um, let me know if you have any thoughts, any, anything you want to share. I'd love to talk with you guys. And, uh, please, if you know anyone else who would love the podcast, please share it with them as soon as, as soon as it's up on, on iTunes, Apple, I'm sorry. I talked about poorly. I'm sorry. I don't like iTunes that much, but please put it on iTunes so I can share it with more people who can listen to it. That would be wonderful. As soon as it's up, I'll let you guys know, uh, look for my tweets about that. Uh, but have a wonderful week in the wasteland and I will see you later. Thanks for listening to the fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda softworks and no copyright infringement is intended. 
If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter at falloutlorecast. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.